Hey there, you're listening to the Soul Survivor New South Wales podcast. Here is a seminar from our conference, More Than a Song 2016. We hope that you're encouraged and equipped. For more information, go to our website, soulsurvivornsw.org.au. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jonathan. Um, I've been floating around kind of this week uh, doing stuff with the the prayer team, um, with Andrew as well. Hey guys, welcome to in. Uh, So the seminar this morning uh, is on prophecy and tongues. Is everyone here for that seminar? All right, very cool. Um, So I've actually titled this morning's seminar, Ministering in the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And the reason I've titled it Ministering in the Gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, and we'll see in, in a little while, but the gifts of the Spirit exist for building up the body of Christ, building up the church. So when you start to function and flourish in the gifts of the Spirit, what you're doing is you're ministering God's love and encouragement to those around you, which is why I've titled it Ministering in the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. How about we pray and then we'll get into some stuff. Lord Jesus, we we want to thank you and praise you for what you've done amongst us this week. God, you're such a, a loving father and you love to meet with your children and it's been I'm such a blessing to meet with you here. I meet with each other. And Holy Spirit, I ask now that you would fill this room with your, with your presence and with your peace. God, would you speak through me your truths from Scripture this morning? Yeah, God, I pray that everyone would leave this room this morning feeling built up and encouraged in you as the body of Christ. We welcome you here, Holy Spirit. Full power on the words I say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cool. Uh, The way I wanted to structure this morning's seminar, I was thinking about it last week. Um, There are so many uh, questions that come up when we start talking about the gifts of the Spirit. So the the way I thought I wanted to run it today was I'd actually just run through a bunch of what I termed FAQs, frequently asked questions, about the gifts of the Spirit. So the way I'm going to do it, I'm going to talk generally about the gifts of the Spirit this morning for about 10 minutes or so. And then I'm going to talk about uh, two gifts, prophecy uh, and tongues in particular. So the first question that I often get asked is, okay, well, where are spiritual gifts in the Bible? So if you've got your Bible with you, can you open it up into 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Now, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, actually, are two chapters that Paul writes to the Corinthian church. And this is a really key text that discusses the gifts of the Spirit. But before I look at these, I just want to mention that 1 Corinthians 13, which is slap bang in the middle, uh, is a whole kind of segment, a whole discussion that Paul talks about love. And it's really important to remember that right in the middle of discussing the gifts of the Spirit, Paul emphasizes love. And that is because the gifts of the Spirit are supposed to minister God's love to His people. And that is the place where we we function in everything that we do. Uh, I call love uh, a crucible. Um, Who here has done anything in chemistry class with crucibles? Anybody? A couple of you? Yeah, so it's like a little little white, I guess, uh, bucket thing that you put on top of a Bunsen burner, and inside you put different things, and because it gets so hot inside, it actually refines the substance that's inside that crucible. And so love for Christians should be a crucible. Everything we do should be passed through that filter, if you like, and refined by the idea of love and coming out of a place of love, which is why Paul puts that whole section in 1 Corinthians 13 right in the middle there. But if we, if we jump to 1 Corinthians 12, I just want to read from verses 4 to 7. Now, there are a variety of gifts, 
but the same Spirit. There are a variety of servants, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit wisdom, to another knowledge according to that same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gift of healing by the one Spirit. To another working in miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each as he wills. So Paul there in 1 Corinthians 12 lifts a whole bunch of different gifts. Uh, This isn't an exhaustive list. There are other areas in scripture that the gifts of the spirit are listed and other ones are mentioned. Um, But... He obviously goes through and lists a whole bunch that he commonly sees happening in the Corinthian church at the time. So how do we think about this whole list of the gifts of the Spirit? Uh, The way we should think about the gifts of the Spirit is like a rainbow. So did anyone see that epic rainbow yesterday? That was amazing. Um, But when you looked at the rainbow, you could probably notice the different colours. But it was probably pretty difficult to distinguish exactly when purple became red. And when red became orange. And blue became green. They kind of just intermingled and mixed into each other. And that's really how the gifts of the Spirit work in community. Paul obviously lists a whole bunch of different gifts, uh, but it's, it's very difficult. The, the idea isn't in this, sec- in this section of Scripture for Paul to say, you as the church, go around and start identifying all these particular gifts. He's just saying, welcome them all. And to each is given uh, by, the same, by the same Spirit. So how do they work? Uh, They work when, Paul says, we come together in community. If we uh, jump to 1 Corinthians 14, uh, just a couple of chapters ahead, verse 26, it said, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or interpretation. All these things are done for building up. So that's the next FAQ. How do they work and why are they here? Well, they're done for building up the church. And they happen in community, when you come together. Uh, The gifts of the Spirit, they really function like a big kind of family barbecue. So when you come over for a big family barbecue, or maybe you get a whole bunch of mates around, the whole idea is that each of you brings something to the table to share, right? Uh, You don't just, you know, rock up, take the bowl of guacamole and sit in the corner and devour it all on your own. Well, I do that sometimes, but that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to all bring something. You're supposed to bring a bowl of guacamole. Someone else is supposed to... You know, bring some corn chips, I'm supposed to bring some steaks, some salads. And that's really how the gifts of the Spirit work. When you come together, each of you is supposed to come expectant for God to give you something in that particular time to share with the community so that the whole church might be built up. Now, when each of you comes together, does each of you bring a bowl of guacamole? No, because otherwise we have a whole lot of guacamole and nothing to eat the guacamole with. So each of you comes with something different and expectant to share something something new. Uh, There's a great term that I like to use when I'm describing the gifts of the Spirit, and it comes from kind of the old days of uh, when the vineyard started, I guess, and it's that everyone gets to play. And that's really what Paul's talking about here. When you come together, each of you, each of you has something to bring. Everyone gets to play. Uh, The gifts of the Spirit don't work kind of like a badge of honour that you get only once you have a theology degree or, you know, only once you've been walking with Jesus for 10 years or, you know, only once you've started a a Bible study group. That's not how the the gifts of the Spirit work. Each of you comes. Everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. And when we walk uh, a Spirit-filled life, 
we all have the Holy Spirit inside us as Christians. And when we're walking a Spirit-filled life, we can all expect uh, to function in the gifts of the Spirit. And that might be a different gift. Uh, you know, one time you might come together and it might be a gift of prophecy that the Lord gives you in that particular circumstance. And next time he might say, hey, mate, I want to use you for healing right now. Come and pray for healing. Or maybe you're talking to a friend at a coffee shop and he says, actually, I want to give you a gift of evangelism right now. So you can, as the source of the gift lives inside you, you can expect to flourish and function in one or all of these gifts. The next question I often get asked is, am I allowed to ask for a gift of the Spirit? And the answer to that is simply, yes, you can. Uh, And we get that from, again, 1 Corinthians 12 and also 14, uh, where Paul actually says twice to eagerly desire, eagerly seek after the spiritual gifts. And the word he uses, I'm getting a little bit technical for 9 a.m. in the morning, is a Greek word called zealion. And we just get the word zeal from that word. So to seek with zeal, uh, to, to earnestly seek after to strive after, if you like, the spiritual gifts. So we're supposed to ask God to gift us so that we can build up the body. So yes, you can ask for a spiritual gift. Um, but as I said before, that doesn't mean that it's always the same gift that God gives you. Just because God sometimes gifts you um, in words of prophecy doesn't mean that you hear from God 100% of the time. You don't. Um, just because God often gifts you in healing doesn't mean that you, know, you can just start walking into hospitals and emptying whole hospital wards. That's not how the gifts of the Spirit really work. Um, the idea is that we come open and expectant that God will use us. And when we're in community, they actually all, as I kind of mentioned that idea of the rainbow, they also start to function together. So if you think someone gets prayed for uh, to receive their sight, maybe they're blind and they get healed. Possibly what's going on there Maybe someone has stood up and said, actually, I think there's someone here uh, who the Lord wants to heal who, you know, might be blind. So that would be one of the gifts, which is a word of knowledge. Someone else might pray for their healing. But the fact they got healed, is that a gift of miracles or is that a gift of healing? I'm not really sure. Possibly both. Possibly faith is involved. Maybe it's a gift of faith. Someone comes alongside who has a a potential gift of faith in that circumstance. Um, Mountain-moving faith, if you like. Praise for that person and they get healed. So that all these gifts are kind of interworking together, if you like. Um, the word, another Greek word that helps explain this concept is the word phenerosis. Uh, and that word actually just means the dancing hand of God. The word that Paul uses when we read that 1 Corinthians 12 passage was to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit. So the English word is manifestation, but the Greek word is phanerosis, the dancing hand of God. And it kind of works like when we're all together in community and we're all waiting and expecting for God to use us. God's hand comes and touches different people on the shoulder and says, hey, I've got this for you to share right now. Be obedient and step out and share that. And then it might, dancing hand of God might touch someone else on the shoulder and say, hey, I've got a word of knowledge for you to give. Hey, I've got faith for you to give in this circumstance. Another way of thinking about that one uh, is kind of like a river. When Last year when I was in Kenya, we flew up in a little light aircraft and you would look out of the window and you could see the rivers kind of going through the dry savannah. And everywhere that the river went, obviously it would be green around it, right? Because that's where the water is, the life-giving source. And then the river would jut out at various points off that main stream. And you'd see the, the green follow those little 
streams that come out from that main source. That's kind of another idea of the word phanerosis. Um, the life source is the spirit that's moving amongst us, and at various times, uh, the river of God, if you like, might just spread out in a little stream and touch someone else on the shoulder and give them a gift to share in that time. So you can kind of call some of these gifts that Paul talks about in that passage as situational giftings. You don't necessarily keep that gift. Sometimes God will often give you the same gift, and that's how we learn you know, how God often uses us in community and what we have to share. But as I said before, it doesn't mean that God only gives you those gifts. The source of the Spirit is in you, so you can actually have access to all of the spiritual gifts. So rather than thinking, oh, this is my gift that I have to share, instead we just have to be humble and obedient and expectant for for God to use us. Is that all making sense? So I'll just summarise that little section about the general gifts of the Spirit really quick. Gifts of the Spirit are supposed to be used in love. Everything passes through that crucible of love. The gifts of the Spirit are for encouraging the church and for building it up. They happen in community. And each person is supposed to come expecting to be used by God. The gifts of the Spirit are always God's grace. We never earn a gift of the Spirit. They're always by God's grace. Everything in the kingdom is by God's grace. We've never earned anything. It's all because of what He's done. So just because someone sometimes functions in a gift doesn't make them any more holy than you or any more spiritual They're always acts of God's grace. So in light of that, uh, I want to just chat now quickly about two specific gifts, the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues. So the gift of prophecy, next FAQ, what is the gift of prophecy? Good question. Uh, The gift of prophecy, you can think about it like a a word ministry, if you like, uh, where God speaks to someone, gives them a word to share for the encouragement uh, of the church. And in that passage, 1 Corinthians 12 passage, there are probably several of those gifts that Paul lists that we can kind of lump under this banner, if you like, of the gift of prophecy. They're all like revelatory gifts, so God's revelation given to share. So word of knowledge, um, prophetic dreams, um, gifts of prophecy, words of encouragement, they probably all come under that banner of the word prophecy. Uh, There's a comedian, Lily Lily Tomlin, who famously asked, Why is it that when we speak to God, we're said to be praying, but when God speaks to us, we're said to be schizophrenic? It's a good question. Um, There is a lot of confusion around how we hear from God and what this whole idea of the gift of prophecy is. Um, So let's just quickly look at that 1 Corinthians passage again. Uh, It's going to be in chapter 14, actually, if you were taking notes. It says, one who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening and their encouragement. So there's that word again, encouragement. So one who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening and their encouragement. Encouragement. God's putting courage into people. That's what that word means. That's a cool way of thinking about it, I think. Uh, There's a a cool little book in the Old Testament called Haggai. And the idea around Haggai was that the the exiles of Israel had gone back uh, to Jerusalem and they were building... uh, Building their kingdom again, I guess. Building the kingdom that was torn down. They were building the temple. And then they got distracted. They came up against a bunch of challenges. They started focusing on themselves. Things became hard. And they thought, oh, we'll just put all the stuff that we're supposed to be doing to the side. Just for now. We'll get back to it. But we'll just put it on the side for now. And then 
the prophet Haggai comes and he says one really simple prophecy. I am with you, says the Lord. That's the prophecy that he gave. I am with you, says the Lord. That's a cool little prophecy that that Haggai gave. That's, That's a good example of what a prophetic word would sound like. I am with you, says the Lord. Can you imagine if you were about to go into surgery and someone came and prayed with you right before you went in and said, I just feel the Lord wants to remind you that he is with you. Or you're about to go into an exam, you're super nervous, super stressed. Someone says, hey mate, can I just pray for you before you go in? Oh, I just wonder if the Lord's reminding you that he's with you. Or maybe you're about to go on an overseas mission and you're scared and you're not sure if this is what you know, God wants you to do and there's all these kind of stuff going on inside you and, and someone comes up and says, hey, I think the Lord wants to say that He's with you. Can you imagine how much of an encouragement that would be? It put courage into you. And you go, yeah, he's with us. That's a cool little example of how a prophetic word sounds. So that kind of leads me to the next FAQ. Well, then what does the voice of God sound like? Uh, one of my biggest, I guess, breakthroughs in learning to, to hear God's voice was to realize that actually, when I'm listening to God in prayer on my own in my bedroom, and God speaks to me, or I think God speaks to me, he might give me a scripture or a thought, and I drop that down in my journal. He actually speaks to me in the same way when I go into community. He speaks to me in the same way. I, I'm not, when I come into community, then listening for this, like, you know, megaphone, audible voice to come into my brain kind of thing. He's just going to speak to me in the same still, small voice that he speaks to me when I'm on the bus or when I'm in my bedroom praying. And personally, I've never actually ever heard an audible voice. I have heard examples where... On the rare occasion, someone feels like they have heard an audible voice. But more often than not, that's not actually how God speaks to us. It's not how a prophetic word often comes. Sometimes for me, it's just a little Bible verse kind of drops in the back of my mind that I'd forgotten about. I'm like, oh, oh I wonder if that's you, Lord. Um, sometimes I'm actually just reminded of a Bible story or a Bible character. Um, we've been looking at David this week. You know, Maybe next week the Lord wants to remind you of something that we learn about David. That would be like a little prophetic word that you could then share with somebody. Um, Sometimes I get a picture, uh, just because I'm quite visual. um, I like photography. Uh, That's what I do for work often. Um, I I see the world kind of visually. So often the the Lord will speak to me in little pictures, just in my mind's eye. Uh, Might be like a picture of a lion. Now I don't just stop with that and go, cool, a lion. I ask, okay, God, well, what does that picture then mean? And then I might get a little thought that drops into the back of my mind, which is like, Oh, well, actually, the lion is a symbol of strength. So just share that the Lord is strength for that person. Um, sometimes I just get like a random sentence or a song lyric, something like that. The, the voice of God sounds very much like your own thoughts going on in your head. Um, but usually they're a little bit more random um, than what you would normally ordinarily be thinking about. What I want to encourage you guys when you're stepping out and learning to hear God's voice is he does actually want you to learn to hear him. He's not going to run ahead and kind of hide from you. He actually wants to. He wants to, you to learn how to hear his voice. He wants you to grow in that. Prayer should always be two-way. Um, you know, your, your outward working, like how we minister to each other and to the world, and our um, inward relationship with Christ are two sides of the same coin. You can think about it like that. So God will teach you in your quiet place how to hear his voice and then you can start stepping out and he will teach you in community. I always like to test a word as well. Just put it through a little filter to make sure it's not just me. Um, So next FAQ, how do I test a word? 
Um, Paul says in Thessalonians, do not despise prophecy, but test everything. So how do we do that? I just put it through three little tests really quickly in my mind. The first is, is it biblical? As in, does it line up with what scripture says? And if the word contradicts scripture, then that's actually not God, because God will never contradict scripture. So just put it through that little filter. Is it biblical? Next little filter, is it in line with God's character? God's character is always consistent. And he's going to speak out of his character. He's going to speak out of that place to you. Um, So things like, you know, he's a good father. He's a loving God. He cares about you. Those kind of elements of God's character. If the word you have doesn't fit in line with those sort of things, then it's actually not God. Because God won't speak um, aside from his character. And lastly, by its fruit. We have to be fruit inspectors. You know, think about going to an orchard and inspecting apples or oranges. That's what we're doing with our prophetic words. Is the word in line with the fruit of the Spirit? Is it likely to bring the fruit of the Spirit in that person's life? Does it encourage the person? Does it make them potentially more loving or understand God's love more? More joyful, more peaceful, more patient, more kind? A word from the the Lord is going to be in line with the fruit of the Spirit. The gift of prophecy actually works... I describe it like God's divine highlighter. Often what happens is someone will be praying through something or thinking through something and wondering, oh God, I wonder if this is you. I'm not sure. Um, I want to just get prayer about that. So they go and receive prayer and then someone comes along and it's almost like God says, hey, it's not just you. It's not just your desires. This is me. And he kind of highlights it for them. And it's by way of confirmation. That's how the prophetic words works often by way of confirmation like God's big yellow highlighter in that person's life so that's the the gift of prophecy the last gift that I want to talk about and then we'll have a little bit of time to receive some gifts uh, is the gift of tongues so next FAQ what is tongues I intentionally wanted to talk about this gift because it's probably the most uh, least understood gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's a whole lot of stuff that people say and think about the gift of tongues. So I want to look at this from a, a biblical perspective. Um, speaking in tongues, or what we can sometimes call praying in the Spirit, it's what happens when a Christian believer invites the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit, to, to form the words that you speak. Um, it's not an act of divine ventriloquism. Do you know what a ventriloquist is? Someone holds up a puppet and makes a little mouth move and that kind of thing. That's not what the gift of tongues is. It's not divine ventriloquism. God doesn't take over your mouth and force you to speak. Instead, the gift of tongues is an act of collaboration. And it's what happens when the spirit, your spirit, inside you, and the Holy Spirit inside you, collaborates and prays to God the words that the Holy Spirit wants you to pray. So it's a form of prayer. Paul says, he who speaks in a tongue, this is 1 Corinthians 14 again, he who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men, but to God. So when we're talking to God, we're praying. So the gift of tongues is a prayer language. It's a supernatural prayer language that God gives people to help them break out of the English language. Um, There's a, a guy that I know in the UK and he, he went on a, a little bit of a trip to Israel just to go and see the Holy Land and that kind of thing. And 
he wanted to go see Mount Sinai, so a bunch of his mates hired a little car, a little taxi guy, to take them up to the, the top of the mountains. And they got out and they wanted to just have a bit of a, a prayer session, I guess, at the top of Mount Sinai. So they all hopped out of the van, and they all thought, oh, we'll just start praying. And some of them started praying in tongues, just praising God in tongues. Great little prayer time. Hopped back in the car, and the driver said, oh, which one of you speaks Hebrew? And they were like, um, none of us, we're all from London. And he was like, oh, no, but I, I heard one of you was, was praising God in my own language. And then they had a chance to be able to uh, share the gospel with that driver, which was awesome. But the gift of tongues doesn't necessarily mean that it's an earthly language. It's actually often a heavenly language. Sometimes it can be an earthly language, like that particular circumstance was. But more often than not, it's actually um, just a heavenly language that you're praying, a prayer language. Next FAQ, what's it for? Well, just like the other gifts, it's for encouragement. So 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Uh, or one, uh, that's 1 Corinthians 14.4. Or Jude 20 actually speaks about tongues building you up. But you, dear friends, by building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. So once again, gifts are for building up the church. But tongues is a special gift because it's not just for community. There's a community element to it, which requires interpretation. But more often than not, it's actually a personal prayer language that the Holy Spirit gives you to be able to edify yourself in your walk with Jesus. It's also for intercession. Romans 8.26 says, In this way the Spirit prays in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I don't know about you, but often when I'm faced with a really challenging situation, I actually don't know how to pray. I, I sit down in my room and I'm like, I'm going to bring this to you, God. And then I try to pray and it's like, well, what can I possibly say about this? The English language has just got limitations. And so that would be a time when the gift of tongues would be really precious. You allow the Holy Spirit to intercede to the Father on your behalf. You can pray in tongues. You're not bound by having to form words in the English language. The Holy Spirit can actually just guide the words that you utter. So it's for intercession. Another example would be trying to say, I love you. Who here is in love? Couple. Yeah. Now, the English language... <laughs> nice, Brad. I saw that hand. <laughs> the English language... Actually, only has one word for love, and that is love. Um, when I, well, I, I very much love my, my wife, Tanya, and when I try and tell her that I love you, I pretty much come up against a limitation in my second sentence. Tanya, I love you. Uh, Tanya, I really love you. I love you a lot. Um, you're really neat. Uh, I don't know what hip words you guys use these days. You're sick, man, yeah. Um, <laughs> come up against the limitation pretty quickly. And the same thing actually happens in our relationship with God. When we come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I really, really love you. Jesus, I love you so much. Jesus, you're just the best. We hit a limitation pretty quickly. And that's where tongues can come in. And we don't have to worry about the words that we're trying to say to Jesus. We just allow our spirit to say those words in collaboration with the Holy Spirit. 
So in that sense, it's a really precious gift. And that's why we feel built up, because it unlocks part of our prayer life, that we can say things to God that we haven't otherwise been able to say. The next FAQ, and I get asked this question all the time, is tongues for everyone. And I want to answer this um, by looking at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5. Paul says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Now, I'm not actually saying that Paul says that each of us can, although I think he's getting at that. That's the kind of nuance of the passage, I guess. Clearly not everyone in Corinth did, because otherwise he wouldn't have written that sentence. Um, But because of looking at how the gift works, it's for your own personal edification in your relationship with Christ. I would say that, yeah, because the Holy Spirit lives inside us, we have the ability all to receive the gift of tongues and to unlock that part of our prayer life with Jesus. Does that mean you have to speak in tongues? No. Not if you don't want to. The gifts of the Spirit are always an act of grace. Actually, our walk with Jesus is an act of grace. We don't have to do anything. Jesus has done it all. So if you don't want to speak in tongues, you don't have to speak in tongues. But I want to throw this one kind of back at you and say, well, wouldn't you like to? Wouldn't you like to be able to be edified in your prayer life? Isn't that why you read the Bible? Isn't that why you take communion? Isn't that why you have people pray with you for edification? And tongues fulfills that purpose as well in your life. Um, wouldn't you like to have greater intimacies with God in prayer, to be able to intercede, to be able to praise Him outside of the English language? All right, so then how do we, if you would like to, receive the gift of tongues? Uh, we already looked at Paul that said you can zealously seek, earnestly seek the gifts of the Spirit. So we can ask for it, is the first thing. And you can do that in a whole bunch of ways. You can just do that on your own with Jesus. You can just ask for the gift of tongues. You can have people pray with you. We see in the New Testament, um, in Acts, and also Paul talks about in Timothy, that the laying on of hands sometimes unlocks the gifts of the Spirit in people's lives. So you can have people pray with you to receive the gift. Um, But I think regardless of which way you choose to ask the Holy Spirit for that gift, it's important to learn that you do have to actually start. Because it's not divine ventriloquism, where he takes over your mouth, 99% of the time, that's not the experience people have. Um, Normally, they have to actually choose to start, almost as an act of faith, stepping out to to start to pray in tongues. And uh, the way that it happened for me was I had people pray with me um, when I was a teenager. And they just were praying tongues over me so that I didn't feel quite so awkward about it. Because it does sound funny, let's be honest. It's kind of weird. So they were just praying tongues over me and they just encouraged me to just pick a phrase, just a sound that I'm making in my mouth to represent everything that my heart is trying to say to God in that moment. So I just picked, I don't even remember what phrase it was, could have been like shalabala or something like that. And I just put my energy, rather than focusing on the fact that I'm saying that word, I put my energy and my focus on, on God and just allowed that word to represent everything that was bubbling up inside me. And then... I kind of thought, oh, I'm not even sure if that actually is the the gift of tongues. I don't know. Like, it kind of felt weird. It's the first time I'd ever done that. Um, Prayer time kind of finished. And I was like, oh, I actually don't know how to now continue from this place. And I wonder if that's a bunch of people here. I I often hear people who who say to me, oh, yeah, I used to speak in tongues. Or I prayed in tongues once or twice before, but it's not something that I do regularly. And so for those people, I challenge you, um, what I did was... I just went home that night and I just lay in my bed and I just started praying to God and I just started 
rather than speaking in English, letting kind of words bubble out of my mouth to represent everything my heart was saying. And that kind of unlocked, I guess, a freedom in my prayer life with Jesus. So tongues, when you use it, um, Paul says, when you pray, your spirit prays, but the mind is unfruitful. So you don't need to be thinking about the words that you're saying. You can just be focusing on Jesus. I pray in tongues in the car now because my mind is unfruitful. I can be actually driving and looking at the road and just allowing the Spirit to intercede on my behalf to the Father. Um, you can do it, you know, sitting in the bath or washing the dishes. And when you start kind of understanding that that's how the, the gift of tongues can work in your personal prayer life, it means that you can start to pray with, um, without ceasing, as Paul says. You can kind of walk everywhere, if you like, and just quietly be praying um, praying in gift of tongues. So what I want to do now uh, is actually just create a bit of time for people to be prayed for, if they would like to, for a couple of things. Yeah, I'm just wondering you pop up. Um, the first is, if you would like to receive the gift of tongues. Um, and the second is, if you would uh, like to start to hear the voice of God more clearly in your life. For other people, i.e. the prophetic. Uh, so, how about we all stand? And I think what we're going to do AB, do you want to come down there? Thanks. So what I think we're going to do is, uh, maybe she's just going to tune up this guitar real quick. And then, I just want us all to sing in community, praising Jesus. We're just going to sing a really simple song over and over and over again. Uh, and now some of us may like to receive the gift of tongues. And I'm going to give you that opportunity in just a moment. Um, and if that's you, I'd encourage you, in this time that we're singing together, we're going to then phase kind of into a time of, of praying in the Spirit, I guess. So praying whatever song your heart wants to, to say to Jesus in this moment. Um, and those of you that speak in tongues, you might want to take this opportunity to start practicing that gift and start um, praying to Jesus and praising Jesus using that gift of tongues in this time. And if you don't speak in tongues, I'm going to um, pray for you in just a moment. And I'd encourage you to just pick a little phrase, just a little phrase that can sound like anything, and just let it represent everything your heart wants to say to Jesus. And maybe just start quietly under your breath, just saying that phrase over and over and over again. And then you might want to just pick another little phrase and add it to it. And just start saying those two phrases over and over and over again. Um, and then at that time, uh, I'll direct a couple of people to maybe just gently rest a hand on your shoulder and to go from there. Um, but before we pray, is there anybody here? I know it's a little bit scary, but we're all in this together. Uh, is there anyone here who would like to have a go at receiving the gift of tongues? Or perhaps you... Have you maybe used to speak in tongues, but you haven't for a while and you would like to start doing that more? A couple of you? Just so I know who to direct some people to pray for. Awesome. Cool. So um, maybe for those people, um, how do you reckon we should do this? Maybe for those people.